Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. We have a very interesting show in store for you today. I have a, a guest calling in who's a very different kind of guest. Uh, probably the first one of its of, of his kind. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I hope you will like it too. Oh, we already got people uh, hopping on the Facebook live stream. Katie, Gus, oh, Gus, how you doing, man? I haven't seen you for a while. Mark, thank you for joining us. New friend I just made out in Oceanside. Jonathan, uh, welcome, welcome one and all. I'm very pleased to have you here. And just remember throughout the entire show, if you have any questions or comments, uh, simply just uh, put them into the comments field of the video. All right, so we're going to start off as we always do with our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham. Let's see what the universe and Abraham have in store for us today. First, from the universe. About those dreams you have each night that you don't quite remember. Well, those are the ones in which you hold sway over the stars, possessing the keys to the entire universe, and in which all the angels sing your name and praise the very same ones in which you summon legions to do your bidding, create worlds to play your games, and unflinchingly orchestrate challenges that are so intense you completely forget you're even dreaming. And you're having one right now. Now repeat after me, quote, I will remember I'm dreaming. I am perfectly safe and sound, and that rumble in the jungle is just me. Tally-ho, the universe. <laughs> we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. Uh, today, talking about our dreams, our dreaming, and kind of teasing us into remembering that life is but a dream, that it's all a dream. You know, when we go to bed at night and we go to sleep, uh, we really enter into a, a, a different state of consciousness. It's, it's one in which we, we have access to uh, all of our unconscious abilities and, and ideas. And... Uh, you know, we, we often, when we think about our dreams, and, and there are people who get dreams that are uh, um, uh, omens, dreams that are predictive, um, but we always try and, and figure out what are our dreams all about. And really, our dreams are all about us. Pretty much, if you look at your dream, if you look at everybody in your dreams, they are all just different representations of us, different aspects of us showing up in different ways for a myriad of reasons, for us to learn, for us to process the energy of the day, for us to, you know, uh, work through things that we're thinking about. And the thing is, if we really listen to uh, various spiritual teachers if we listen to uh, people who uh, um, have, have really taught us about the, the nature of the universe, you know, we hear sort of the same thing over and over and over again. This universe is God dreaming. It's us dreaming. It's us, you know, it's all here for us to just play together and, and, and go through different experiences so that we can wake up to the fact that this is all a dream. It may not feel like a dream in the moment. It feels very real. But actually, we're all just actors on a stage. We're all the, the same way. Any character that shows up in your dream is really not that person. It's really you. It's really us and some aspect of us. Everyone who shows up in this universe is some aspect of God, is some aspect of the universe. And we are all just this, this 
infinite variety of experiences all designed to wake up in a million different ways, in a billion different ways, all designed to wake up to the fact that we are all one, that, um, you know, we, we are all one giant entity that's fragmented into billions and billions of different pieces so that we could experience life and experience life in a billion different forms in a billion different ways. We're not separate. We're not distinct. It feels like it. It seems like it. But really, when we look at the energy and we look at the fundamental aspect of what we are, are we particles or are we waves? We're usually both. We're energy. And as the first law of thermodynamics states, energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It merely transforms state. So what are we? We're all a billion different forms of energy that have manifested in just different ways in this world. So the universe is just trying to get us to remember that we are all dreaming, every single one of us. And it's just waking up to the fact that this is a dream and let's have some fun with our dream. All right, let's see what Abraham has. Another quote on dreams. Now, I swear to God, I did not cherry pick these quotes. You know, these are the actual quotes that came in my inbox this morning. So Abraham says, a dream is a manifestation, just like what you live is a manifestation. But a dream is quicker and easier to achieve and not so troublesome if there's something you don't want. Abraham. Hmm. All right. So what is Abraham trying to say here? What is a dream? A dream is a vision of something we wish to manifest. And everything we live is something we manifest. Right? Our entire life is about manifestation. We're manifesting our relationships. We're manifesting our job, our career, our business. We manifest our health. We manifest our thoughts our lives in a million different ways. We manifest it by the energy we hold, by the attitude we take, by what we focus on. We manifest it by the energy we hold. We manifest it by the choices that we make. So we manifest everything around us. And our dreams, what we dream about, what we dream about doing, being, they're visions for manifestation. Now, we may have a dream when we're 10 years old to be an astronaut. And then as we get older, that dream shifts and changes. All right. But that does not mean that the dream is not important, that the dream does not carry us in a certain direction. We are always free to change our dreams. But one of the really interesting thing about dreams is that when we hold our dreams in that pure energy that we have when they come to us, there is no resistance. There is nothing holding us back and we can truly move in that direction so, so quickly. And as we grow and learn and experience life, we sometimes experience resistance because we start to think, oh my God, how can I do this? I can't do this. I can't do that. Oh, this is impossible. How is this going to come about? And as we've talked about before, you know, Abraham always says that how is not our domain. We should not be worrying about the hows. We worry about the what's. We worry about the dreams. Not worry. Worry is a bad word. But that's where we put, place our focus. 
And by placing our focus on our dreams and not how we're going to get there, then the universe can bring all kinds of hows to us. Give you an example. Right? Last week, um, uh, the, the early part of the week, I was out in California, uh, went out for this conference of this amazing organization called the Evolutionary Business Council. But I went out the weekend before and uh, I participated in a ceremony in Los Angeles on Saturday night, hung out with a great friend who used to be here on the East Coast, who, who, who I'm going to have on my show. Uh, when am I having her on? Either next month or, or December. Um, and it was wonderful to reconnect with her and hang out and stay over. And, and then I go to meet up with a gentleman who I really met through Facebook. He, he actually commented during one of my videos, like what I'm doing right now. And I met up with him and his wife while they were here in New York City, and they're from L.A. And he'd been to India, I don't know, dozens and dozens of times and sat and studied with all these spiritual teachers there. And, and I come out and I figured, well, I'm going to be out there, have a little extra time. Why not meet up? I meet up with him. And it just blows me away. Not only is this, this guy who, who, who sells Ormus and all these spiritual essences and all these little things, he's a head of an HMO and has 120 people working for him. And I go to meet him in his office and all these cubicles. I have no idea where I'm at. And he shows me around and then I, he kind of tells me what it's all about. And he's still dressed the same way he was here in a saffron colored hat and scarf and white robes and all these necklaces and stuff. And he starts pulling out as I'm sitting in his office surrounded by crystals and pictures and paintings of all these Indian masters, pulling out these Indian spiritual relics, you know, these, these things that you hold and like, oh, you can't believe the energy from it. And by the time we spent like two hours together, and by the time I left, I felt so elevated. I felt so not just supported, but just so blessed. And then I went down to this two and a half day conference of these these amazing thought leaders, uh, conscious business thought leaders, getting tons of support. By the time I left California to come back here, I really felt like my life is a blessing in a way I've never really felt that before. And I knew that's what I wanted because you know, over the last month or so, I'd been going through some hard times and I really was looking to get past that energy. And it was just amazing. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I just knew like going out there would be good for me. And I kind of had an idea of the things I wanted to do, but I didn't really know how it would affect me. I didn't really know how it would shift and change things for me. And everything happened so perfectly. This, the, the ceremony, being with my friend, going, meeting Ron, going down to this conference, it was all just so divinely timed and perfect. So I know, I truly know, I don't need to worry about the house. I leave that up to the universe. I leave that up to an intelligence that's far, far greater than mine. I'm just focusing on my dreams. I'm just focusing on the things that will really help me and, 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 and give me that vision of what to manifest. So I hope you enjoyed this week's quotes of the day. Uh, I see we got a whole bunch of more viewers on the Facebook Live. Welcome, Joanne, Nicole, Denise, nice to see you, Denise. Jeremy, Sanaya, oh, Sanaya. Callie, oh, wonderful, Callie. Welcome, welcome to the show. Well, I hope you guys will stick around. Uh, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, hopefully my guest will be calling in from Brazil um, to talk about uh, uh, something I don't usually talk about. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we will be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Follow Me Me Friday Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're We're your digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Talking Alternative Radio. 24 hours a day. Okay, so we're still waiting for my guest to call in. He's calling in from Brazil, so you never know what, what may happen. So we'll, we'll keep going and, until he gets in today. I hope he, hope he remembers that today. I just talked to him on Monday. Um, so welcome. Ah, I see. Uh, I have some more friends on the Facebook Live. Um, just want to remind people, please feel free to comment on the Facebook Live. Hi, Pat. Uh, the friend I met at the conference last week off in uh, on, uh, England right now. Um, and a dear friend, Sinai, who uh, I know from college, Jesus, long time ago. Um, so I, I, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, my guest when he comes on, I'll introduce him as soon as he gets in the system and comes on, is, is actually a political activist from Brazil. Now, I don't really talk about politics that much, and I don't think I've ever had a guest come on my show who's a political activist, but I felt like he has something important and interesting to say, especially about what's going on in Brazil. And I just want to talk about sort of South America, Central and South America in general, because there is extreme upheaval happening. I don't know if you guys are paying attention or not. Nicaragua, Honduras, Venezuela, Brazil... Uh, the whole region is really going going through some real turmoil, and people are taking to the streets, protesting. Lots of of people are leaving the countries because of the political unrest, because of of just the the way the economies are collapsing, and people are just having a hard time getting food and just being able to afford the basic necessities. And it's not just in South America. There are other countries across the world as well that this is happening. Now, this may not seem or feel like such a good thing. But what it is, and I really want to try and pull back and try and look at all this from the 50,000 foot perspective. Is there's a huge displacement going on in general in society. And Alvin Toffler, in his book, The Third Wave, back in the late 70s or early 80s, you know, we're talking like over 30 years ago predicted this because we are now shifting from the second wave, which is the the wave of industrialization, the wave of um, a, a factorization, the wave that came after the agrarian age where everything was based on farming and farmland and, and, and sort of settling down in place. The industrial age is all about, you know, creating machines and, and create mass producing things. 
And it was a very inhuman time, uh, Alvin Toffler says. It was a time where we really um, uh, 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 beat up people to to become like cogs in a factory. And, and, and our whole education system, uh, our whole uh, corporate structure, economic structure, I mean, everything that we have today originally comes from that, that time period, the second wave of industrialization. Um, that's why, like, in schools, a lot of things in schools is about learning by rote, mechanics, uh, Newtonian physics, where things are discrete, hard particles, and a very linear progression. And, and the reason why I say it's a, it was a very inhumane time was because a lot of, of what was happening at the time was that as we were learning how to produce things in, in, in en masse, to create more things for people, to, and in a sense, you know, even raise the standards. I mean, the, you know, if you can mass produce something that was beforehand made, you can make it cheaper, more people can afford it, people now have, have more comfort in their day-to-day life. But what happened is in an assembly line, the right way it works is, you know, a piece comes by, you turn a screw in a certain direction, it goes past you, then the next person does the next thing, and the next person does the next thing, and the next person does the next thing. And that's how cars got built. That's how clothing got made. I mean, it's everything. However, people weren't used to this. People before that were basically artisans and farmers. Now, artisans and farmers are very creative people. Um, not only that, um, but they're used to doing things naturally. They're used to having to think on their feet, be very creative. And they figured out how to do things their own way. They didn't really follow a model. They didn't have to do everything the exact same way. So they would get into these factories and they were like, well, if I turn the screw that way instead of this way, I, I can do it better. And oh, if I turn it this way, I do that. And everybody was like trying to do things their own way. And it was very unproductive because an assembly line, then the next person can't do the way they were trained, and it was a big mess. And so I forget who it was, but there was somebody who was an educator and a thought leader at the time said, you know what, for this generation it's too late to really train them how to be good factory workers, so we have to start with the next generation. We have to start with the schools. And that's when sort of this, you know, uh, shut up, sit down, take notes, answer the questions I ask you, don't ask questions that don't make sense. That's when, you know, this whole system developed, really designed to sort of beat the creativity out of the farmers, to beat the creativity out of the artisans, because what they needed at the time was not creative people. What they needed at the time were basically human robots. The other thing that's very characteristic of this time was this idea of scarcity, that there's only a limited amount of stuff. And if the other person has more stuff, I have less stuff. And we're right now, because of technology, because it's evolved so much, and because of the communication and the fact that we're so interconnected now, we're now in the middle of the next wave. And this next wave has been called everything from the information age to the connection economy to the internet age. I mean... We're kind of in the middle of it, so we don't really know what to call it because you really need perspective to really be able to see what is the essence of that era, that epoch, that, that wave that we're going through. But what's happening now is because of this, uh, 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 because of technology, we're able to, to sort of stop being human robots, although the characteristic of it still follows through very much. We don't need the same kinds of schooling. We don't need the same kinds of system. We need a different system that allows us and encourages us to be more creative because we're dealing with more complex problems than we ever have before. We are dealing with um, a, a many, much different uh, 
uh, environment, much different situations. So now we're sort of evolving where quantum mechanics, th- this idea that things are not linear but exponential, that we are um, uh, moving and changing and, and being more r- rapid and, and stuff, it, it's a whole new perspective and a whole new way and it's causing upheaval because people are moving from the way things were before um, into a new way of being. And so uh, I believe Rob, my trusty engineer, is saying my guest is in. So um, now that I've sort of set that stage for you about all this disruption and change that's happening, let me introduce you to my guest, Louise Philip de Orleans uh, Bagranca. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, Louise. That is correct. (laughs) Um, So Louise um, uh, sort of began his career in the U.S. where he worked um, in the financial industry. He was part of uh, financial planning companies. He was even in investment banking at J.P. Morgan and other international companies. Before he returned back to Brazil and became a director of business development for America Online. Wow, AOL. I didn't even know it was still around in the 2000s. Uh, in Latin America. He became an entrepreneur, founded his own company, um, first in, one in, in motorcycle parts distribution, and then he founded a, an incubator for uh, payment processing for mobile platforms. But really what we're here to talk about is the fact that, that Luis founded a liberal movement called Acorda Brazil in 2014, and he's become a real political activist in Brazil and he's here to kind of enlighten us and educate us a little bit about what's going on in Brazil and why we should pay attention. So, Louise, we only have a, a couple of minutes before we go to break. So why don't you just kind of set the stage for us? And then in the next segment, we'll, we'll dig deep into it. OK. Perfect. Thank you very much. Well, basically, um, in uh, Brazil, we're going through election process uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, the decision is to uh, maintain the current uh, status quo. Uh, which will lead us to a more autocratic system, or should we adapt change and uh, improve on our democracy and make sure that we enter the 21st century? So that's basically the uh, two candidates that uh, represent the uh, electoral process at this moment. And um, uh, and, and uh, you are actually in, in involved in this election in some way? Basically, yes. We're. Uh, I'm also running for office uh, here down here. So we um, we are putting forth um, a good proposal so that the, our political system and our economic system uh, get out of the, uh, the situation that we're in. We're we're being uh, held hostage to many of the premises of uh, um, a government that is all, all overreaching as far as uh, intervention in our society, intervention in our economics. So basically, we need to get rid of that uh, those premises and introduce new premises so that we can uh, restructure our former government. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, Luis, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, let let's talk about really what sort of led to the current situation in Brazil, and also I want you to give our audience just a little bit of context to you know what's going on around brazil like in venezuela the problems i mean this is what's happening in brazil is really reflective of what's happening in south and central america in general right correct that is correct it's a a whole it's a whole region-wide problem right okay so everybody please stay tuned you're listening to the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity my guest this hour is louise philippe and we will be right back after these messages you're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. Are 
Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking with Brazilian political activist Louise Philippe. So, Louise, um, what? How did things really get to be sort of such a mess, <laughs> if I if, if if I may characterize it that way, in Brazil? Yes. Uh, well, basically, we suffer from a structural problem, which is common in uh, region wide. Uh, Mexico through all the way down to uh, Argentina and, and Chile uh, were organized as uh, presidential systems and we only have uh, three powers which is the executive the legislative and the uh, judiciary branches so right. uh, which differs uh, the, the, the Latin American presidentialism is not the same as the U.S. president, uh, the, the presidentialism that you see in the United States, where the United States uh, federal government is very limited. It has uh, you know, many checks and balances that are horizontal between the, the three powers that I mentioned, mm -hmm. but it also has a, a horizontal limitation, which is federalism, which is a very decentralized form of government. So, in, in effect, uh, you know, the U.S. system does not really, the U.S. federal government does not govern individual states. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, the presidential system in uh, Latin America, it gives a lot of power to the uh, pres president, and he is both the president-elect, is uh, both the, uh, the chief of state and also the chief of government. Mm -hmm. So the president-elect in many of these countries end up uh, governing the whole country. So it's a country-wide governor. And Brazil... To, to that matter, and it's a, it's a very diversified country. It's a huge country. Uh, it's a very large population, very diversified economy. Uh, it's very hard for you to, you know, it, it's very, it's not very hard, but it's actually impossible for you to actually govern the whole country from a central location. You know, central planning on a country that is, with our diversity, is just bound to, uh, to, be, uh, to not be successful. So that is basically the culprit as far as organization is concerned, and it yields uh, the, the, the Latin American presidential system has a lot of concentration on the, of, of the judicial power and the money power as far as budget is concerned in the hands of the president, so it's very unstable. So every four years, you elect a, a tyrant that, uh, that can do whatever. Uh, you can overrun the Constitution, so you know, the rule of law is not really... Uh, observed and uh, oligarchies take over. You know, all these interest groups, um, they love a presidential system because they can affect their influence on a small group of people. And with that, they control a large uh, budget and, and and having effective control over the whole territory. Uh, there's very little checks and balances and, and from the organizational standpoint. And it's very, it's, it's uh, organized so that the president actually has a lot of power to govern. So that is one of the culprits of the mess that we live in, it's a cyclical mess, and we need to change that to, in order to become a, a more stable country. So, so because the power is so concentrated really into one position, it, it, it's vastly open to corruption, and, and, and as you said, there's not really the checks and balances, so it's hard to get justice, it's hard to really create reform, because it's not really in the person's interest who's the elected president 
to have reform because they're enjoying having all that power. So, so what can people do in Brazil or in, in that part of the world to, to try and move things in a way that at least to create some more checks and balances or move in the direction that w would help, that would at least create an environment that's l a little bit less open to corruption? Yes, well, the political activism uh, aspect of, uh, of how people can get engaged has been growing exponentially over the past the four years. Uh, and my function, as far as a political activist, is to address these key uh, organizational issues that are nonpartisan um, issues, which uh, reflect on basically uh, our organizational structure. And once we uh, get more activism involved in these types of discussions, we're capable of actually electing people that will represent these structural changes. Um, so far, I would say that uh, we have uh, made a lot of progress on that, um, yet we're still a little bit far from uh, making these issues popular enough so mm. that people, we have a critical mass uh, that is uh, enough so that we can affect a political change on a structural level. Mm. So, uh, so far, yes, the political system has been still working on a, a partisan basis, so the, 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 there's a shift against those that are pro-system, pro the current system, um, more for those that are against our newcomers coming into the system right now. So that's basically the shift. Yet, uh, there's very little depth of uh, perception as to what is being represented by these new people coming in. Mm -hmm. So um, that, I think that's the second, second step. You know? So the first step is the activism. Right. The second step is having political power to uh, affect change, and uh, let's affect the let's make sure that the right ideas are the ones that are being affecting the change right now. Right, right, right. Yeah, because you can have change, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's change in the right direction. Correct. Um, so how? Uh, I'm, again, I'm I'm not that familiar with just how things work in South America, but. Like, how do people learn about um, uh, uh, new political ideas and activism? Like, like, how is most of the information disseminated? Is it is it through TV? Is it now social media? Um, how are things really? Uh, how do ideas spread in in Brazil? Yeah, that's one of the other issues that we have is because because of this organizational structure, uh, the state has assumed a lot of intervention in many of the media channels. Uh, so not direct, but indirect. So it, it, it's capable of financing media companies. It's capable of even giving uh, out uh, you know, some uh, uh, revenue uh, streams uh, to some of these media companies as a function of governmental contracts. So the media is not really free in Brazil. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the media, most of the large media companies in Brazil are affected by the state, are, are there to protect the agenda of the state and the, the agenda of all these oligarchies that maintain and control the state. So there's, a, there's an issue there that uh, it's not going to come from the bit, from the big media companies. Yet we have a very um, vibrant uh, social media activism that has, has been growing uh, exponentially, and uh, at the same time that it has been growing, uh, many of the state representatives are working with uh, large uh, social media companies in order to address some, so some sort of censorship uh, mm. to uh, this new political activism that has been brewing in Brazil. So uh, we're, we're, we'll figure out <laughs> what is the next level as far as where the, the path of least resistance for our communications, the one that we will address. And so far, the social media has still a... Uh, uh, the, the, Censorship has been increasing on social media, uh, yet it's still the freest and the most um, uh, least resistant path as far as uh, making sure that the activism gets through. Gotcha. So uh, we're working through that. So may, even our presidential candidate, leading presidential candidate, is uh, you know he um, is uh, basically growing is only because of the social media. He's not been growing uh, in political intent because the big big media companies are all against him. So uh, that's what's going on, and uh, I think it's going to be this case until you know, some some effect is going to take place on the governmental level. 
Right, right, right. Now you're in Sao Paulo, which is the the is, is Sao Paulo. I know it's the the capital, but is it also a province or is it just a city? There's a, the city of Sao Paulo, which is, is the largest city in the southern hemisphere, mm-hmm. and there's a state of Sao Paulo, which encompasses the city of Sao Paulo. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's a very um, affluent uh, state, um, and the city is a megalopolis. It's a, it's over 20 million people, um, so it's a very diversified um, political uh, area, and um, at the same time very rich and influential on the, on the whole country. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's a, it, it brews a lot of these uh, uh, activist groups. Uh, many of them are, are, are from Sao Paulo, so there's some sort of a pro-business. Uh, view on on how to organize Brazil and how to organize a future government that comes from Sao Paulo. So that has been the the mantra. Right, gotcha, gotcha. And there was a uh, now you you were running um, as a vice president uh, with somebody else from Sao Paulo uh, who's running for president, and there was a little incident. And we have about three minutes left before our, our next break. So why don't you just briefly talk about what happened? Uh, well, th- there was an issue of uh, the selection of, of a vice president for the, the current running candidate, leading candidate, and um, the uh, the political base of this of the leading candidate asked for me to join as a vice president. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet there hasn't been uh, because I don't know him on a personal level, and it's a very um, it's a very uh, uh, basically it's a very important. Uh, position to be a vice president you know they we it did not come to fruition mm-hmm. uh however it was you know there was their good intent as to um, to accept me and uh, as a running mate um so what i did I, we did not uh, become uh, you know the, the leading ballot um and i'm going to be running for office independently from a uh, within the same party yet uh for the state of sao paulo as a state representative and not as a as a vice president so that's what's going on, and unfortunately, this leading candidate uh, soon afterwards had an attempt of the, on his life, um, and uh, but uh, thankfully he's uh, he's doing well right now, so he's back in the in the running uh, in the oh, running good. scenario. Good, good, good. Okay, um, we're going to go to break in just a minute. Uh, uh, tell me what? It, how do you see things unfolding in Brazil now? Like, what do you? What would you like to see? How do you feel? Like, what is the shift happening in Brazil now compared to 10, 15, 20 years ago? The shift is a very important shift for a pro-market, pro-business candidacy. Uh, We also need uh, less government intervention and less regulation in order for for Brazil to become a leading economic nation again. So that is it's one that's on the ballot. The other proposal from the the, the opposition, which represents the government forces, um, they basically want to maintain a lot of government intervention, even increase it, increase social programs, inc- increase socialism mm-hmm. in Brazil, and uh, that is not the way to go. Especially regarding that, over the past three years, we had a tremendous recession and a collapse of our social welfare state system. So and it's due to all these uh, socialistic policies. So we've been uh, we have these two uh, we have a fork on the road, and you know we need to address the right one for the situation, and uh, that's what's what's uh, going on right now. So that's what we need. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. All right. We're going to take our, uh, our last break of the show, and when we come back, I would just like to talk about sort of what you learned from the U.S. that you're trying to bring to Brazil. And what we can learn from what's going on in Brazil to, to help us maybe in the U.S., okay? Perfect. Wonderful. So, everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest is Louise Philippe, and we will be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. The 
best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this live every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern Time to 1 p.m. Today we've been speaking with Louise Philippe, from a political activist from Brazil. So, Louise, you, you spent a lot of time in the United States in, in education and career and then came back to Brazil. What did you learn from the United States in your time here that you brought back with you to Brazil? Well, yes. The the uh, basically the U.S. is a is a very uh, is a fabulous structure. It's a very stable regime, and because of the stability, it is capable of uh, making sure that uh, the families and uh, the communities they enrich themselves, they create wealth on their own. At the same time, it's uh, because of stability. It's a long term. It's a long. Um, uh, there's very little uh, risk of future government intervention in the wealth that was created. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one of the biggest um, uh, learning experiences. The wealth that was generated a hundred years ago, uh, even more, is greater now. And so that that is one of the functions of a, of a non-interventionist government, and the government that lets that the communities free to accumulate and to auto-govern themselves. And that is probably the the, the biggest uh, stabilizing factor uh, in the governmental system of the United States. Um, so that is a function of having a liberal uh, constitution. Uh, whereas many countries in the 20th century, they fell victim to a new fad of the social state, and the social they many countries altered their constitution uh, in order to uh, address more governmental give the government more power to affect change via regulation, to affect change, and to lead economic development instead of soci- having society leading the economic development. So it's exactly during this shift, uh, many countries that, that adopted a social state, um, they basically went bankrupt uh, a lot more frequently and created a lot more instability, especially um, the laws, you know, they change according to government uh, intervention and government needs. So once you create that instance, uh, judicial instability, it's very hard for you to accumulate uh, wealth over a long period of time, and it's, it's very hard for you to be, become a, uh, an investment-grade country over a long period, especially because at, you know, at any given election period, 
um, you know, your laws may change and your property rights may change. Right, so right. that that is not a, that is not conducive to a, a wealthy and, and, and stable society. Um, and Brazil fell victim to um, to this fad, this 20th century fad of addressing and becoming a social state. So it changed its constitution six times over the over the past, wow. <laughs> during the during the uh, wow. uh, 20th century. Which is, uh, and, and, and obviously, if you say, oh, yeah, six times is a lot, and uh, it's definitely, uh, whereas the United States has only one constitution, maybe the other European countries may have changed one or twice, once or twice their constitutions. Uh, you know, for Brazil to change six times or in, in, like in, during the 20th century, it attests to the fact that the, the constitution was not stable enough over a long period of time. Um, so that's one of the biggest uh, issues that we have, and we need to have a more stable, simpler constitution that you know provides for um, for liberties, uh, uh, for social liberties on on a very local level, and at the federal level, it's very limited as far as what they can do uh, on the national scale as far as governing the country is concerned. You know, the, the, the federal government should be only responsible for sovereignty and, and issues that regard, um, you know, overseas and, and stability of the, of the currency and so forth. So nothing regarding really uh, political, uh, pol- social policies or interventionist policies uh, whatsoever in, in the country. So that's, that's what we need to get rid of, uh, and that's what's at stake at the, this coming elections. Mm-hmm. Um, we're witnessing the, the bankruptcy of another social state, uh, mm-hmm. the, our sixth social state that was created in 1988 with the ni- 1988 constitution. Mm, wow, wow. To be, uh, is, is already in, in the collapse. So uh, that's what's, uh, what's, what we need to address. We need to get out of this uh, social state mode. Right, right. So it sounds like uh, in, in the United States we call this a very libertarian model. We have a, uh, uh, a show on the network uh, by a friend of mine, his name's Larry Sharp, who's running for governor of New York State, who comes from the libertarian perspective and he is really talks all the time about localizing government decentralizing government putting more hands more more power into the hands of the local communities to decide how they want how they believe they should be governed uh, because somebody from the southern part of the state doesn't necessarily know the best solution for how things should work in the northern part of the state as an example so it sounds like you also sort of uh, believe that you know the more uh, decentralized and the more localized government is, um, the better it is, n- not just for the local communities, but for the country overall. Exactly, and I think uh, that is one of the key issues because uh, I think the, U- the U.S. system is, was born uh, on a decentralized uh, manner. Uh, the states were independent, and then they organized themselves into a federal government, whereas Brazil was organized centrally. Right. It, was, it, it was very good in the beginning of the, of the, the 19th century, uh, throughout the 19th century, because it was still unstable. Unstable regimes were uh, existent all around Brazil. Um, you know, the, the formation of Latin America was a little bit, uh, there were some conflicts there. So becoming a, a centralized regime, gave us, you know, a lot of protection in the beginning. But now that we're, you know, past the 20th century, we see that the centralized form of government uh, does not allow for, you know, the communities to act freely, the communities to auto-govern themselves. It basically became a platform for oligarchies to take over the central government and to entrench themselves into this uh, this this body of uh, of laws that is construed to to protect them and not really to represent the individual local governments and local uh, communities. So uh, yes, we're we're living a in 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 certain ways a dictatorial uh, system mm-hmm. that is not really uh, person personified in any one person. It's basically a system that controls everything and. The system has to be um, decentralized in order for us to become a first world country. We know mm-hmm. economically we're not moving forward because right. we're incapable of addressing all of our opportunities that exist uh, throughout our, our immense country. Right. So, so that's one of the biggest um, 
uh, I think the biggest lessons here as far as con- contrasting both con- countries, right. and and they both have very similar, very similar in 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 other aspects. You know, they're huge countries, have a lot of uh, resources. resources yeah. There's a lot of population, and population is uh, the people in, in Brazil are are very keen into uh, property rights and very uh, keen into um, manufacturing and producing wealth. So, okay. but they're not being able to do that because of the central government and regulations from the central government. So right, uh, right. that's one of the uh, biggest messages here for maybe the American people that are uh, listening to this broadcast. Okay, well, then we only have like a couple of minutes left. Uh, uh, Louise, if people want to uh, learn more about you, uh, get in touch, support, um, how can they find more information? How can they find you? I'm in. Um, I'm basically pretty active on the social media, so Facebook uh, and Twitter. Uh, my Twitter account is LP Braganca. It's my last name, LP Braganca Br. That's my Twitter account, and uh, my my full name in in, in Portuguese, Luis Felipe Orleans Braganza. Uh, you'll reach me on on Facebook. So maybe I can send you those uh, spelled out right, right <laughs> yeah, text right. so, he, so it, that they it, won't get it wrong. Is there any anyway, kind of website? Also, I have a book that will be translated into uh, English as well. Wonderful. Is there any kind of website people can go to? My website is uh, lpbraganka.com. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. We'll, we'll post that in, in the Facebook Live. So, th- unfortunately, we're at the end of the show. Thank you, Louise, for taking the time to come on the show today. I appreciate it. Uh, as I said, you're kind of a unique guest for me talking about sort of the political awakening in South America. Um, I appreciate what you're trying to do, and, and I wish you much success, and I, and I hope we can uh, help to spread that word for you. Thank you very much. Thank you for the time and having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. And, and just before we sign off, a quick uh, shout-out to our, our Facebook Live viewers, Himelda, Chuck, Fatima, Anna, Danny, Cole, Suzanne. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you uh, learned something, uh, got inspired about something, made you think a little bit, um, and uh, I, I hope you enjoyed it. So thank you all for tuning in. Coming up next, it's Poker Divas with Ellen Lincoln, followed by our Daily Magic with Kai Cole, and we will be back with you next week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, are you interested in blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies? Then tune in here on talkradio.nyc with me, David every Friday, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time as we answer your questions and interview great guests live on Internet Radio on Building the Blockchain, where you can catch the blockchain revolution. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. 
Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.